Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. If you use a smart speaker, you can always ask Alexa to enable the SOS radio skill. Seems like every generation thinks they're experiencing something unprecedented, something new, but we take a lot of things for granted, especially what we've experienced lately. Some of the things, yeah, they're unusual, but racial divisions, one thing that's not new at all. It goes back to the beginning of time, and we're talking about it today with author and NFL veteran Derwin Gray. How are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? How many cups of coffee have you had today? Because your energy is just on point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, I do have a venti. I did roll through the drive-thru before I headed in, so we're good to go. Locked and loaded. All right. That's epic. <laughs> uh, Derwin, you play with the Colts, you play with the Panthers, but you're also the founding pastor of Transformation Church in Charlotte. Do you see a difference between race and ethnicity? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, so one of the things that I, I think is really important is that the term race is actually, it's not biblical, nor is it scientific. There's one humanity, right? And humanity is comprised of different ethnicities. What is ethnicity? Ethnicity is similar physical expressions, culture, language moving through time. Acts seventeen twenty six talks about God creating all of humanity from Adam and people dispersed over the world. So colors and cultures and ethnicity is a God thing. It's a good thing. God loves diversity. And the ethnic diversity of every human being carries the image of God. And and so that's number one. Number two, the term race is actually an invention of the European Enlightenment in the 16, 1700s. And basically that based on skin color and such. And because it was developed in Europe, the Caucasian or the quote-unquote white race, which at that time you really wouldn't have said that because it was still like British, Scottish, but the idea is that Caucasians were at the top of the race pyramid. And so that's wrong. Scientifically, biblically, there is one humanity, and that humanity is colorful with diverse cultures, and each culture has the image of God in it. And Beautifully, the work of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, he not only forgives sins, but he brings us into his father's family with different colored skins. And as we love, as we learn to love each other, as we learn to listen to each other, as we learn to care for each other, we actually image forth what the new heaven and new earth is going to be. Every nation, tribe and tongue. We're not going to be ghosts in the new heaven and new earth. We're going to take our colors and our cultures with us. It's interesting, Derwin, because I think a lot of times when we're thinking about our race, our ethnicity, we also throw language in there. And it's interesting because in the Old Testament of the Bible, it talks about how we all had basically the same language up until the Tower of Babel. And then God stepped in and said, no, you guys are going to be diverse in that. Yeah, you, you know, it's interesting. In Genesis 11, the people were building these temples, because in that culture, you built temples so the gods could come down and live. And so God basically spread them apart because they were trying to usurp him with false gods. I actually think it's a part of the demonic realm as well. But in Genesis 12, the loving father that God is, he says to a man named Abram, whom he changed his name to Abraham, which means father of many, I'm going to bless the whole world through you. I'm going to give you a family. And ultimately, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, comes. 
and he comes to give his father the family that he promised Abraham. And that's one of the things that I want to do in my book is I want to help people understand the richness and the beauty of salvation. It's so much more than just what Jesus does for me. It's actually how Jesus transforms me to participate in the we, which is his beautiful family. This book is going to help us love each other better. Our culture lies to us and tells us, consume more, get more, be more. And Jesus says this through the Apostle Paul, do nothing out of selfish ambition, but vain conceit and consider others better than yourselves. Scripture says, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to be a servant and give his life away as a ransom for many. And so there's this idea that bigness of salvation creates a big heart in us to love in ways that can only be a reflection of the resurrection power of Christ. We want to love each other better. So we're talking about how we heal our racial divide with Dr. Derwin Gray today at SWIS Radio. And he started Transformation Church in Charlotte. He's an NFL veteran. Derwin, your church is a multi-ethnic church. And, you know, we know that racial strife and division is something that our humanity has been struggling with for thousands of years. How did Jesus take on that issue? I mean, was he colorblind? (laughs) No, Jesus was anything but colorblind. And so let me explain. One of the things I talk about and how to heal our racial divide is that colorblind ideology is bad theology. I get the sentiment behind it, but I think God wants us to be more than colorblind. He wants us to be color blessed. I was in a coffee shop not too long ago, and I was actually working on my book, How to Heal Our Racial Divide. And, uh, older white gentleman saw what I was doing and he asked me what I was doing. I said, well, I'm working on my book, How to Heal Our Racial Divide. And he says, uh, there is no racial divide in America and I don't see color. And I said to him, I, I said, well, if God didn't want you to see my color, he wouldn't have made me the color that I am and he wouldn't have made you the color that you are. Colors and cultures matter to God because the image of God is stamped on every color and culture. And so when you say you don't see me or if I say I don't see you, What I'm doing is denying an aspect of God's creative genius. And also, colorblind ideology kind of acts like a spiritual sleeping aid. And that it's like, well, I don't see color, so I don't see any of the problems. And typically, what's happening as a pastor of a multi-ethnic church, where we've got white people, black people, Asian people, Latino people, all types of people, uh, a few times a year, white parents who've adopted children that are black or Asian or Latino will come to me and say, pastor, we never knew that prejudice was as bad as it is. We have a black son and he just gets treated so differently than our biological white kids. And I'll give him a hug and I'll say, well, I know it's hard, but also understand this black people have been saying this for a long time. It's now that you've listened because the problem has come home to your front door. Now it's personally touching you. And I think for us as followers of Jesus, a problem should not have to personally touch us for us to act. Could you imagine if Jesus said to God, the Father in eternity, listen, I've never sinned, so their sin is their problem. Let them fix it. No, love says 
Jesus comes to earth, takes upon our sin. We take upon his righteousness. He defeats sin through his life, death, and resurrection. Sin was not his problem, but because he loved us, he made it his problem and solved it. You know, it's interesting because we'll talk a lot about how our faith is personal, and that's different than the view that our faith is private. Then I have a personal relationship with Jesus, and I apply that to how I look at the good news of Jesus. We're talking with Derwin Gray today at SWS Radio. How have you? Th- how do you feel like the individualistic view of the gospel sort of hinders the necessary work of healing the racial divide? Yeah, you know. I think most Christians in America wouldn't even know that that's what they're doing because a personal relationship with Jesus is important. But never forget the moment that we say yes to Jesus, we're saying yes to our brothers and sisters. First John four twenty says this, how can you say you love God whom you've not seen and hate your brother who you see? And so the moment that we say yes to Jesus, we're forgiven, we're made new, we are placed in a family. And in that family is white people, black people, Asian people, Latino people, all types of people, Republican people, Democratic people. God's family is diverse. And the beauty is this. It's often the differences in our brothers and sisters that make us different for the better if we're willing to allow the gospel to teach us how to authentically love. It's wild because anytime we sort of bring up bias, people say, well, I'm not a racist or I, I, I don't hold those beliefs that you're trying to put on me. But we do have our difference and we come into a relationship just assuming things because that's been our experience. And no one wants to say, hey, I'm biased because it makes you feel like, oh, I must be racist if I'm biased. But no, we just have preferences. Yeah. And we do have things that we're comfortable with. Yeah. But when we can own the fact that maybe I come with a perspective that other people don't share, I can start to wade through understanding someone else's experience differently and realize, okay, if I want to understand you, I've got to be able to put my experience aside a little bit. Absolutely. And that takes humility. Like, for example, several years ago when NFL players were taking a knee at NFL games at the national anthem, not to protest the national anthem, uh, America or the flag, but to protest police brutality and systemic injustice. Some of my friends would, would say, hey, that's disrespectful because my granddad fought in World War II, and, and, you know, that's just disrespectful. And what I'll say is, number one, I'm thankful your granddad fought in World War II. America's a wonderful country, and I'm thankful that America stepped in and help stop the Holocaust and all the evil things of the Nazis. But I said, never forget, 1.2 million black GIs fought in World War II. They went to Hitler's Nazi racist Germany, defeated him only to come back home to America to colored water fountains, to not being able to eat in restaurants, to Jim Crow and segregation. And as a matter of fact, One of my mentors, Dr. John Perkins, his brother Clyde came back from Germany fighting the Nazis only to die being shot by a policeman in Mississippi. So keep in mind, it's not just about 
your granddad fighting in America who was white. There were also other people of different ethnicities that fought for America, too. It was actually the Native Americans who broke some of the code that the Germans were using. And so love says, I want to see through your eyes. Love says, I want to walk in your shoes. Love says, I actually could be wrong, so let me listen. Like my grandma used to say, you got one mouth and two ears for a reason. Listen more, talk less. It's just interesting how our bias just puts up a wall that we don't even realize is there half the time. And it just, it's like, it's like anger comes out. It's like frustration comes out. It's like emotions come out before we even listen to what the other person has to say. And what brings about that is fear, right? And so we're, we're afraid of either losing power. We're afraid of losing something. But let's keep this in mind, though. Every human being is born broken. That's why we need to be born again. And then when we're born again, we have to participate with the Holy Spirit, grow in sanctification to be conformed to the image of Christ. But then let's not forget their dark, demonic powers that love to divide, that love to separate, that love to enhance the biases that we all have. I remember... Remember, after 9-11, I got on a plane and I saw some gentlemen that looked Middle Eastern and that I presume were Muslim, and I began to have all these thoughts in my mind. And the Holy Spirit checked me and said, Derwin, you don't like to be profiled, do you? Well, that's exactly what you're doing to them. And I immediately began to repent, and I began to pray. That's a part of our growth. We shouldn't run from that. We should be honest about that. You know, it's interesting when you think about the way that Jesus spoke to different people throughout the Bible, and a lot of those were when he was going and speaking to different women, like the Samaritan woman or the Canaanite woman. And you know, back then, even that was sort of taboo in a lot of cultural, uh, in, a, in a lot of ways that we understand culture. Oh my gosh! Think about it. When Jesus was alive on Earth, the Jews and Samaritans had a seven hundred year ethnic feud. John 4, 4, Jesus tells his disciples he had to go through Samaria. Jews would never go through Samaria because of that deep-seated hatred. Yet Jesus goes, and what does he do? He knocks down the racial-slash-ethnic barrier. He knocks down the misogyny barrier because a Jewish man, let alone a rabbi, would never talk to a woman, and a woman who had had five husbands. So we see Jesus is constantly, with his gospel, knocking down barriers that divide and his love unites. And I love the story of the Samaritan woman because when she meets Jesus, she goes and tells the other Samaritans, and then the Samaritans meet Jesus, and they believe, and they ask Jesus, a Jew, to stay for three more days. That's how you heal the racial divide. We must be willing to put down our preferences and pick up our crosses. And we must remember, we are not the party of the elephant or the party of the donkey. We are the party of the lamb, the kingdom of God. That's a different movement on earth. It is the movement of love. It looks like the Sermon on the Mount. It's beautiful. 
So Derwin, in our churches, you know, there's a lot of people that come from a lot of different worldviews and a lot of different perspectives. And obviously we go saying we want Jesus to be the unifier, but what is it that we could be thinking about so we can actually walk into our church respecting people on the other side of the aisle or from another culture or come from a different worldview where we can say, hey, I want to understand as much as I want to be understood, but where do I start? I think the first thing we need to do is uh, we need to turn off late night cable propaganda news. Like it's a, <laughs> like it's a sad day when there are cable news stations for conservatives, news stations for progressives. Why can't we just have news and then let me as an adult think about it and process it? That's number one. Number two, I want to encourage everybody to read my book, How to Heal Our Racial Divide. You're going to come away with a few things. One, you're going to be blown away at just how beautiful and how epic Jesus is. Number two, you're going to learn practical and theological skills to be a healer and uniter. And then number three, you are going to be challenged. And I specifically want to speak to the moms right now. Moms, you are the key to healing our racial divide. And here's, here's why. God has made you sensitive. God has made you smart. And you have the ear of your children and you have the ear of your husband. As you learn this, you are going to be the one who plants the seeds of what you learn in this book in your family. Derwin, I appreciate you being willing to lead the discussion and starting that with some honor, starting that with some thought to challenge us. The new book's called How to Heal Our Racial Divide, What the Bible Says and the First Christians Knew About Racial Reconciliation. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the SOS Radio Podcast with Scott Harold. If this discussion encouraged you, feel free to share it with your friends on social media.